two. Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Okay, Knife Journal Podcast. <clears throat> this one has to be, unfortunately, unedited because my computer blew up. What episode are we on, anyway? Episode 88. Welcome to episode 88. So we're not going to say the seven nasty, nasty, nasty words from yep. George Carlin. Yep, I have to be good. And you have to be good, too, so we okay. can't. So we can't be talking about naughty stuff. So we better watch out. We better not cry. We better not pout. Yep. No, no freaking singing. Unfortunately, there won't be any music in this because I can't put it in. We're recording directly on Jim's computer. And uh, sorry to the folks at Bark River. I won't be able to splice in the ad. Uh, but we'll Oh, we might be able time. to. I think I had that. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. Anyway... So uh, we can have some fun. Oh, you got a list of shit to talk about. I have some stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, so um, first thing, uh, have you have you is Casey Og O G G on your friends list? He's got to be. You got to. So we're gonna look. Um, C A S E Y Og. It's uh, brute force blade works. There you go. K C E Y. Og. OGG. Yeah. There you go. Now look at this. Look at this stuff he's doing lately. Uh, finish. Go down to. Yeah, see. Look at the hormone lines. All kinds of crazy stuff. Um, hmm. Cool yeah. shit. Yeah, he's, he's really putting out good stuff. I've been following his stuff lately. Um, yeah, I think he's at my friend's house. Yeah. Um, go down a little more. You can see some of the stuff that he's actually got finished. Of course, there's dog pictures, and uh, there's a see that one there is a nice Scandi. It'd be a you know what's interesting about this, and I'm not a big fan of this. I, I'm not sure why the heavy, thick blades are what everybody is after. Um, they sell. Oh, uh, that's it. I mean, that's 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 why we do look what at, we look do. Look how but, beautiful that work is. Mm-hmm. Look at that homone. Do you know how freaking hard it is to do that and how long that takes? You have to hand finish that. That takes forever. You can never put that on a machine, ever, or you'll lose that line. Like, anyway, it's cool stuff. I've only done a few like that because they're such a pain in the ass, and I, they take so long that don't expect to see those very often. Yeah, he does nice work. Yeah. Really so give a shout stuff. out to Casey Ock, huh? Yeah, yeah. Brute Force Blade Works. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, check out that stuff. It's really good stuff. Uh, of course, Star Wars is coming out today, right? Oh yeah, we're going. We're going to see that Saturday. I, you are. You know where I'm going Saturday. Where are you going Saturday? Concealed carry. Class. Oh, that's right. That's so right. I want to be all legal. Okay, I have a real big gripe though. We just saw a stamp on a blade. My M37 stamp does not stamp deep enough. I'm, like, not super happy about that. Well, I made it stamp deeper. No, if you even if you hit it with that sledgehammer, <laughs> it, like, it like doesn't stamp like you want it to for some reason. Well, I think because you're not stamping it hot. No, it's not a good idea. To stamp it hot? Uh-uh. Why? Uh, it's, it's too uncontrolled, and you end up bending the shit out of your blade oh. if you do it that way. I, I most... I think most people, when they stamp them, don't hot stamp them. So I'm halfway considering doing what Bark River does and doing an etching. Yeah. 
of M37. They, and they, but they do, wear off, though. That's the problem. Well, they, they do it that way because Mike believes that you do cause micro-cracking when you stamp a blade. I've always heard that when you stamp a blade when it's hot, as part of the you know manufacturers do that, and they yeah. stamp them hot, then you, you don't risk that. Yeah, but when you stamp them cold, I could see how that would make a well, big difference. But you're, you'll be stamping it cold before the heat treat. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Hmm. It doesn't matter because you're you're still causing a disturbance in the force. Well, you want to know, <laughs> you, you know the good news? You're gonna be you're gonna be smattered with Star Wars uh, quips. Yeah, well, you the whole process hey, today. You, you want to know the. Uh, the good thing is, yeah. I can almost guarantee you that 0.0 of the knives I've been making lately are ever going to be used. <laughs> Never know. Well, I know that there's uh, there's one uh, number one, the curly maple one that you and I stamped. Mm -hmm. That guy's already using it. Mm -hmm. um, that that ended up a beautiful knife. Yeah, you may find that more people use it use them more than you think they will. Huh? Yeah, the guys that buy my stuff probably use it more, but. Uh, hopefully they don't beat them up and they respect them and treat them nice and stuff. Because that's that's all it takes. If you do a good job, they'll, they'll people yeah. will take care of it. Um, um they, that uh, but I but I think that that is that is where the difference lies. Is if you're doing it while it's being heat treated and and it's it makes it if it's part of the process of forging, I think it's a little bit different than when it's. When it's cold, and that's why, and that's part of the reason why Mike doesn't stamp his because his is stop removal stuff, water jetted. And yeah, I mean, by the t but well, the, the thing is, is by the time Mike gets a blank back, it's heat treated. Right. So he, there's no opportunity for him to stamp it. Right. Well, yeah. they could have somebody. He could. No, he could have him. Have yeah, somebody stamp yeah, it through. Yeah, press but you know the other the other thing too that is gives you a little bit deeper. Is if you laser engrave them. Yeah, I don't have a laser engraving machine. Right, but I bet you that's Derek does grand and or more. Derek does and uh, and uh, and Jason does. I mean, yeah, I'm sure that if you had designed a stamp for them, they would. They would yeah, but then I'd have to ship them there and all that shit. Yeah, well, you know what I? I they I don't might, come off. Well, you know what I might do. Instead of hitting it with a hammer, I might just buy a little hydraulic press thing. People make them just with a card jack, you know, but you can go to like Home Depot and get like an actual press. Mm -hmm. And I, I did a couple like that because my neighbor had a press mm -hmm. and it's beautiful. Like it, it stamps it like deep and perfect. And, really? Yeah. Interesting. I might, but it's a manual press, mm -hmm. you know, that it's like a, a jack type mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I might do that, but, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I would... I would probably, uh, when you're heat treating it and it comes out of the oven the first time, why couldn't you? Why couldn't you stamp it right then? Well, I I just um, it, it's it's not as easy as it sounds. When I first started doing it, I did hot stamp them, and it it is more trouble than it's worth. Yeah. Um, and if you have a a stamp that stamps deeply, it's no problem. Like the number stamps, for some reason, you know, I buy these freaking $300 custom stamps from Everstamp that stamp well, but the ones that stamp like awesome 
are just the El Cheapo number stamps. <laughs> Arbor Freight ones. Yeah, that you you buy like a a whole alphabet for like twenty bucks. Yeah. Yeah. But um and those always stamp, it's no problem. It's if you try to get some custom stamp, it's a big pain in the ass. Right, I can see that. Um let's but, see. I mean I can see when I looked at that stamp I didn't think it was deep enough on it's the not, face of it, you know, not, like like yeah. that's what's holding it up. It's not so much the, it's not so much the um yeah the the, the, the depth of the edges need to be deeper. It needs to be it's deeper. It's thirteen hours. And Ooh. and the thing is, is uh, the thing is, is that's hardened steel. Mm -hmm. And so I'd have to reheat treat it and then differentially heat treat it so that the butt mm -hmm. is soft, mm -hmm. so that when you whack it with a hammer, it doesn't mm -hmm. cause a problem. But I don't know. You'd I have just, to take a little mini Dremel tool and freaking... I'd use a file. That's what I'd do. I'd use a file because that, that's pretty precise work. Um, trying to think. Uh, so, uh, shout out to our uh, Myriad truck driver listeners. Apparently, we're like a huge hit with the truck driving community, and we have our very own... <laughs> now a uh, correspondent from the truck driving world that I want to give a shout out to. And uh, as with all of our correspondents, I give them a code name. And I think it's only appropriate that his name is Snowman. <laughs> like on Smokey and the Bandit. <laughs> Snowman. Yeah. He's so, going to love that. So he's he's back on like episode 50. He's whatever. catching up. Yeah. he's He's he got all kinds of questions and things to say and... Things that I forget about. He's catching up. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And I know that he's, is he, now he is a local truck driver? Is he an over-the-road trucker, coast-to-coast, he, coast or whatever he, he feels like? I think like. he's like over the road. Yeah? Yeah, I think he's big and bad. Uh, but maybe he'll start sending us, like, field reports. <laughs> uh, What's happening out there over the country? Yeah. Um, then, uh, of course, our man in the field... How is he doing? I haven't heard from him on a Coons age. Yeah, he promises an update, but he sent me a email. He he listened <gasps> an email. To, yeah, he listened to yeah, he's he's it's mostly you get a handwritten thing. It's he broke down. Yeah, he broke down and sent an email. And uh he's got like Great Eastern cut he's into the traditional, traditional pocket knives. Yeah, and so he's got like some new Great Eastern cutlery stuff that he's liking. Uh I'm trying to think what else he... It's pretty hard not to like that stuff. Yeah. Did we, didn't we do a knife giveaway? Didn't he give us a knife to give away one time? Whew, it would be way back when. Yeah, many episodes ago. I hope we didn't forget to give that away. Ooh. We'll if we look. did, I still have it. We'll have to look. Yeah. Anyway, he's promising a in-depth update. Because the, the plowing and stuff is obviously all done, and is he going to come up and see you? Uh, hopefully he will. He um, he likes to uh, take trips like that, but he doesn't like crowds of people much. Well, which I don't blame him. Traverse City in the wintertime is be the place to go. Yeah. Um. So there's those two guys. Uh, let's see. Zoe Christ. Oh yeah, Zoe just came out with some knives that are um, you are available through um, Derek and 
Yeah, yeah. And Jason. Yeah, he's he's got like a deal with them. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah that's it's awesome. sweet. Three sweet pieces that he just turned out, and they're beautiful. He did a really nice job with them. Yeah, isn't he doing the mid tech thing yep. with uh, Bark River? Now? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. And he's deal. doing. Uh, um, I don't know if he's got a picture of those up here or not, he, but he does some freaking. Nice work. Yeah, he does. Real nice work. I, where the hell is it? He's been on the podcast, has he Yes, not? he has. Yeah. Yes, he has. There's some of them right there. Yeah, those are nice. He's got like a, like a, like a bush sex, and there's one of them right there. Yeah. I'm always amazed when I see what other people are up to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like the quality. The one that I always, every time I see some of his stuff, I just about die is um, Van Burnett. Oh yeah, have you seen that stuff? Yeah, it's crazy. It's, yep. He'll have a folder with like little gears that turn and <laughs> yep. actually work. And, yep, yep. I don't know. Did you see uh, another one too? Right now, that's that, that is. I think he's starting to do some mid tech stuff too. Is um, uh, Matt Martin? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking did you see what? Which, did you see what he just did? What's that? He did. He did like. Um, he posted a picture of it, and I saw it. I don't know a while back. Let me find a picture of it. And you'll you'll laugh. It, it's a it's basically was a knife that Almar Almar did way back when. Um, Round eyed knife and tool did one. They called it the Hobbit. Okay. Hobbit warrior. So is it must be small then? Or? No. Oh, it's the size of a hobbit. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I think the the, the 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 way the story goes is, um, the fellow that owned Round Eyed Knife and Tool was a rather short fella. Okay. And everybody called him a hobbit. Oh, okay. And so that's that's how that name came to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he he but he there's the Hobbit Warrior right wow. there. Wow. Oh, it's got a real nice belly to it. Oh yeah, yeah. It's These curvy. things are freaking badass, and this whole back edge is all yeah crazy sharp. So that's I I I want to say that's an exact duplicate reproduction of the Hobbit Warrior. How did he do the guard on that? It must be a no. It's full no. tang. Yep. So it's a sandwich type. Nope. How because do you do if it? you look at the, oh you slide it over the blade I guess no huh? well he could slide it over the blade but I in this case I don't think he did I think he slid, slid it over the handle because if you look at the handle it ends oh, up yeah. here and the hmm. tang is down there cool yep but he just did one I like that one he just did one and I said something this morning about it and I basically told him he sucked <laughs> uh, he posted it on my on my good morning post this morning. Huh. Right there. Oh, a dagger. Yeah, that's a... Fairbairn Sykes Yeah, that's nice. Those are not easy to execute. No. It's this. Yeah, he did a very nice job. Yeah. Basically, I told him he sucks. Yeah, that's really nice. Um, Yeah, he did a nice job on that. Yeah. I did one of those a long time ago, and I'm not doing any more. <laughs> yeah, I've done daggers before. They're very, very difficult to grind. Yeah, you got to be right on your game. But if you round them off and you make them all convex from one end to the other, it's not as bad. Yeah, but 
you got to do uh the people the people like the look of the yeah um look at the crazy flat grinds yep uh but uh yeah i've been doing them all freehand and i'm getting a lot better at it i have half a mind to make a jig uh for for angles and the way you do it is you just get a piece of angle iron and then uh you you would clamp your knife to that angle iron and then you drill and tap a hole on the back of this uh, on the flat surface of the angle iron with a screw and you just you just screw to adjust it adjust the angle mm -hmm. um, but I've never never done it that way and I think probably freehand is once you get good at doing freehand it's it's not all that difficult it's just you know getting the lines to match but, yeah and it's never it's, really, it's really never going to be perfect you're always going to find some well and then I I wonder if even with a jig if it's ever going to be perfect no I think they do I think mm -hmm. they do but it's you got to count how many times you're grinding on one side. And oh, count, yeah. You know, well, that, you scribe a center things. line and all that. But, yeah, I usually, even even doing it freehand, when I do it, I do, um, I have a thing called the bubble jig, which mm -hmm. lets me set a precise angle, but then you have to hold it at that angle. Mm -hmm. You can't, you, I mean, if, you, if you're wobbly or whatever, when you're doing the grind, it screws it up. Mm -hmm. But the, uh, I do three passes on one side, three passes on the other, and just go back and forth. And I'm, able to get them pretty damned even but but they're never going to be like if you looked at it with uh you know some calipers or something you're going to notice that there's little differences here and there um i am able to get the ricasso almost spot assed on every time and that's a hard that's the hard thing is getting those first that plunge line like perfect mm -hmm. but getting better at that um uh, so a lot, a lot of these knives with these crazy grinds, they have to be using a jig. You oh just, yeah, yeah. There's no way that they freehand. can freehand that. Um, but uh, yeah. So anyway. So deer season came and gone. Yeah. I didn't even get a chance to go out much. No, went out. Either. I went out for like four hours, and that was it. I got back to doing other shit. It's been so warm up here. We've not been burning much wood. Yeah. So that's kind of exciting. Yeah, we it's it's like uh, Louisville winter here. Yeah, well, this is unusual. This is extremely unusual. Yeah, I know Derek was. You know, Derek just moved, obviously, yeah. and he was saying that, uh, "Oh, this is so bad. It's killing me. It's killing me." And I was like, "Dude, <laughs> you're gonna yeah. jinx us. Shut up." <laughs> yeah, you have you have no idea how bad a winter yep. can be. Yep. Um. They can it's, be as bad as Hoth. What's that? Star Wars, the planet. Oh, okay. Hoth or Hoth? Yeah, I have no idea. Um, you know, a Star Wars geek. I've seen the movies, but I didn't. I mean, I've seen them, but I I'm not a trivia guy on. So, that. so my son and I were talking about this this morning. I saw the original Star Wars, the first one. Yeah. In the theater. So did I. How old were you? Very, very, very young. It was, I think like it was three? 78. 77. 77. So how old were you in 77? No, I wouldn't have seen it in the theater then. I saw the second one in the theater. I saw Empire Strikes Back. In the theater. The, the first movie I ever saw in the theater that I remember is uh, Superman with Christopher Reeves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's... Kathy and I saw that on our honeymoon. Hmm. <laughs> that's funny. Um... 
We have not that, but what was what we were in basically. I heard a uh, one of the guys talk about about the movie this morning on on Fox, <clears throat> and he is a young fella. I wouldn't say well, he might be a millennial. I would say yeah, he probably is a millennial. And he said he said that something that struck me really funny. He said, "I've never seen this movie." when it first came out in a theater. He said, this is the first experience I've had watching a Star Wars movie in a theater. But what about like the one with Jar Jar Binks or whatever? That was how long ago? That was still was 2000. 'Cause Jimmy said that one too. He said that that's the one that he remembers seeing in a theater. Oh, it was terrible, that terrible. Right. And he said, but he never experienced the first. And I, and I got to thinking about that. 1977, when they when when that stuff scrolled, when the text scrolled over the screen and into space, yeah, that was like never. I don't think that that was ever done before. Well, and the models like that that movie was so crazy, and everybody thought it was going to bomb. I know, and that's a, that was but the funny part. You all this uh, CGI stuff, yeah. doesn't hold a candle to the models right. that they were making to right. do all of that, right? And that's what and well, we were laughing about that. How when you if you didn't experience that in a theater, I'm surprised they have not brought that back to the theater just for that one reason. I mean, oh, I'm sure I remember, got. I remember when that came out. It was like the first time that you had like the the theater would actually vibrate. They actually put like vibration things in the seats and stuff oh, wow. to to rattle the to rattle your cage while you're sitting there watching the movie, which was really kind of funny. That I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it. I uh, this new one. Uh, they were saying that he was this guy this morning. He just said it was like the the best movie that he's well, seen. And yeah, isn't the guy that's doing this the guy that did the reboot of the Star Trek stuff? Yeah. Those were awesome. Yeah, movies. and you know what's interesting about that too? I was we were Kathy and I were talking about that because I'm literally complete Star Wars or Star Trek freak. Yeah, um, I watched the original series when it was on TV originally, and my parents were like, "We don't get it. I don't yeah. understand it." You know. Yeah. <laughs> and but I was I was really really very much into it, and it was kind of interesting because I I read this article about Star Trek and how J.J. Abrams was the guy that did the Star Trek, and everybody was kind of pissed off. I was, the quote unquote true Trekkies were pissed off because they rewrote basically rewrote the storyline for the whole original series, made it so that it's non-existent now. Huh. And I thought it was kind of interesting because what. What Star Trek has always done a really cool job with was, and if you read the Star Trek books, they did a lot of time travel stuff. Yeah. Where they talked about different timelines all the time. And I think with, with this latest reboot of, of the Star Trek show, what they did was they allowed him to basically rewrite a complete new line, new timeline of Star Trek. Hmm. Because... It if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, okay, yeah. so so the when they when they first came back, everything was copacetic, right up until the time that the the Romulan came back from the future and screwed up the timeline that they were in. So had that not happened, you could have had all of the the timeline with Christopher Pike and all of that shit happened just exactly the same way it would have happened. Yeah. 
you know, but because he came back and he altered the path that they were on, then all of a sudden it made everything legit. Everything moving forward now is a completely legitimate story. Yeah. The, the guy released Khan because of the, we just figured out that there are other people out there that want to fuck us up. You yeah, know? Wrath of Khan is still the best Star Trek movie. It is. I don't care what anybody it says. Is. It is. It, it, but I but really, the new ones are of that level. I really like the new one. Yeah. I really did like both of them. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't have that big of a problem with it because I think it's because I, I did read a lot of the books, a lot of the Star Trek books, and I know how much they talk about different timelines in the books. Yeah. So I don't think that that is a, uh, I don't think that that's a big problem. Yeah. And uh, Aaron says thanks for the update. So as we are as we are talking about episode eighty eight and doing episode eighty eight, one of our listeners is bitching that episode eighty eight isn't released yet. <laughs> yeah, we, I, my computer blew up, people, and so uh, I uh, I won't have my new computer up and running until sometime like the 29th or 30th of December. Ah. Um, I am a huge fan of the Dell Alienware systems, and that's what I was running. And it blew, if you guys remember, it blew up earlier, like this summer. And uh, I got it back up and running with a new hard drive and stuff, but then I installed this like crazy backup system. So <laughs> this time when it blew, blew up, I had everything... So did you have a, what actually blew up on it? You have a meltdown of a processor or something? Or what did you have? I don't you have know. fire, just, smoke, and flames? No, it just, it just is no longer functioning. There's some, there's some issue. And it's, at this point, it's a four-year-old computer that served its life very, very well. And I'm just, I needed to get new stuff anyway. So I'm getting a, a half a terabyte solid state drive with two terabytes of regular and new everything it's going to be sweet can't wait uh i wasn't a believer in the solid state drives until my office got me a laptop with one that's got the a way solid to do state it. Drive in it yeah that's the way to do it it's so much faster uh i'm going to get a two terabyte solid state drive oof that's going to be money yeah i'm going to use that because I started shooting pictures in RAW. Yeah, that, that eats up And it eats crazy. up so much space that, and I have a problem. I'm a hoarder when it comes to pictures. Yeah. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to install this new system where I have a, um, and I'm going to tag all my pictures. You should do a NAS, NAS box, network access storage. I've got one of those. But they're not fast enough. Well, if you're not looking at the pictures constantly... The problem, the problem with, uh, the problem with, one of the problems with Mac is it likes to use iPhoto and there's other programs. Now I've, I've got to look at some other programs out there that, that you can scan pro, scan pictures with because iPhoto doesn't do, I mean, that's like older technology and apparently there's a new, there's a new program out that's better. Um, and it's only that's my literally my only complaint is how it handles pictures, hmm. and because uh, it handles them so that you don't have to fuss with it. Supposedly you just plug in your card and you and it puts it where it wants to put it, and you have albums in it and does it like that. But I I want to put my pictures where I want to put them. Right. And it, it doesn't like that. Yeah. Um, 
So I'm moving to a uh, two terabyte, and it will just be for, and it's it'll have that new USB or or whatever the real high speed yeah plug is, uh-huh. so that when you plug it in, it's it thinks it's another hard drive, and it accesses it at the same speed as your hard drive. Oh, cool. So that's what we're doing with that, and that way there I can do my pictures and my drawings and stuff are a lot handier, and they don't clog up the because believe it or not. A two terabyte hard drive. It goes. Quick. It goes fast. Yeah. When you start, when you start doing pictures like multimedia that, multimedia and stuff, it did choose those mm-hmm. up really, really quick. Yep. yep. Uh, yeah, you start editing videos and stuff, and oh yeah, forget it. Yeah, it's gone in seconds. I, I had to, I had to take all my old video stuff and back it up onto a NAS box because it's just too much space. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. So. Uh, there's been a lot of stink on Instagram lately. People have been tagging us in. I don't know if you've noticed, but there are now hipster knives, <laughs> and I'm not gonna say the name of the company because there's we don't a couple different ones. Makers. There's a couple. There's a couple. Uh, there's a couple companies that have shown up on the scene, and one of them is selling a, a particular style of knife. And they make it, I mean, it, it's the most ridiculous video I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, they got a guy that's actually standing in front of like a Sears bench grinder. Literally a stone Sears bench yeah, grinder, like a, craftsman bench grinder. Wheel. Yes. Yeah. And he's got two pair of channel or uh, uh, vice grips and he's holding a particular style of knife and he's grinding it on that with the sparks flying. Oh. And so they, so they bought like a bundle of $15 Chinese knives, kitchen knives, and sold them for like $150, $200 a piece. <laughs> and I think about because the foolishness. Because they're re-grinding them? No. No, they're not regrinding anything. They don't even have a knife. They don't have a knife shop. They don't have, they were, it was the most ridiculous. I'll have to show you the video when we're done here. It's the most ridiculous video our, our friend Jay showed me. And he yeah, was laughing about it. And we were like, if somebody can do that, just can you imagine if a real knife maker did a video and showed them how to do how things actually happen? Well, yeah, I've got tons of videos up on but it's, how to actually do stuff. But it's but it's but a it's, but this is a this is like a like the total hipster like the video of a guy cutting carrots. Oh jeez. Oh, uh, my son's calling. And uh, I mean, it's and it's funny, and they raised like the numbers that they raised were incredible. And you're looking at it going, these got to be the same idiots that are buying Ginsu knives. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or I don't understand. I, I can't fathom who the hell's buying it. So surprisingly, the general public has no clue on because because believe is. it or not, outside of of our industry, the kitchen knives like that. That we appreciate, yeah. Like if you look at my kitchen knife rack, there's very few people that have a kitchen knife rack like yeah. mine. Um, people outside the industry will not pay that kind of money for a freaking kitchen knife. No, they go they to bitch about a Wustoff. Yeah. At at uh, what you call it? Twenty five bucks at Walmart. Yeah. yeah. And they're not, and they're Chinese. Yeah. You know, and they bitch about that, and then they put them in the dishwasher. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's 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 insane. Well, there's this other kind of hipster knife 
uh, where this hipster like claims to be like all rural background and all this and like knows everything to know about knives and everything living in of course Brooklyn <laughs> <laughs> move to the big city yeah it's and, like a taxi uh, driver they <laughs> you take, talking to me yeah they, they take these files like bastard files and like horse hoof files and such like this and uh anyway the they you know like if you have a knife that's made from a file typically you like forge it you know and do stuff like that these are just like flat ground like <laughs> no file and of, just freaking grind you know, what, you know what they're selling them selling these things for and they're just garbage i mean it's not there's nothing nothing about it that would say it's worth this, right? It's a file, literally stock removal from a file. <laughs> you know what they? You know what they're selling them for? I hate I... eight hundred to fifteen hundred. Shut bucks. the fuck up. Yeah, and this this hipster knife thing, it's been featured in like all these cooking magazines. All right, I'm doing one. Right, well, I'm doing one. I guess if I get to be the hipster god, I will be the hipster god. Yeah, and I will sell. I will. I will get on the bandwagon and say, Mister Hipster. Look it. You want a real freaking knife? Well, you come to come a up, real man. You got to come up with a, like a story and a video with like Zamfir and shit playing in it, and like have like an Instagram account and have all your photos be like selfies of you looking all glamorous. I can do that. And then you got to have like all these staged. How about photographs. A, how about if I have a picture of me kicking the shit out of a hipster? <laughs> yeah, that might work. <laughs> Anti hipster. This is yeah. This is this is a hipster. This is a hipster on the ground. <laughs> well, you know, it's just it's just crazy that they that they're getting fifteen hundred bucks for these things and, and commanding these prices and actually getting them. And it's like garbage stuff. None of it's any you know but I don't know. It's crazy. But they you know, and then and then to show you how much the general public knows about knives, they're like featured in like Kitchen magazine. Well, like GQ like, magazine. Yeah, like really fancy high-end yeah. magazines. Yeah, it's are, crazy. Are showing picture of, the, of these hipster. Magazines. I thought the internet was supposed to make people smarter, but apparently it doesn't. It doesn't. But uh, and then, then the other thing is, is like, what, what kind of heat treat? If you're if you're making them out of files, here's the problem. What kind of steel is that? Oh wait, we're not talking about unknown steels. Well, the thing, now nah, nah, here's the thing. If you're going to sell a knife, like, you better have an idea what that steel is. Well, I'm going to get well, into look, this in a little bit. Here, look, here, here, once again, a, a file is tool steel. We don't know what tool steel it is, but right. we do know it is a tool steel. It could be A2, it could be O1, it could be W. Right. The... Um, but uh, we have to make sure that this is still. Hopefully, we're still recording. I here. think it is. Um, but you know the the yeah. the issue is. Well, like I said, know, it's, I'll make something out of an unknown steel if if uh, if it if I'm basically giving it to someone, you know, or if I'm making it for myself. But to actually sell it, like no, like. And, you know, and you know that this hipster didn't put forth the money to, like, buy an RC tester. Right. Like, they, they don't even fucking know what that is. Right. They have no clue what RC hardness is or or anything. And, and they're, I don't know. 
I think that I think that part of the deal is you have a group of people that are buying knives, and it's come to it's come to. Uh, they're buying the story. They're not buying. Well, a knife, yes, you know? they're buying a story, but they're but they're actually and they're actually buying something that they'll never they're never going to use. Because let's face it, as much as I love knives, if I need to cut a tree down, I'm not going to use my knife. No. You know, I use a chainsaw. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm going to, I mean, I love, is I use my knives as often as I can because I, I like that. Yeah. But I won't, I don't want to hurt myself in the process. Hmm. You know, I mean, if I have to, if I'm cutting up wood, um, now, I used to baton a lot of wood when I had my little my little wood stove in the, uh-huh. you know, when I go camping and I have to use my little wood stove, I baton wood then. But I also have a little I have a little mini hatchet that I can do too, and I there's a lot of things that I can do that, you know, I just I I'm not the guy that hears Zamfir music every time I step it's, into the woods. Yeah, it's not a spiritual thing. No, no. But although I have a book. We're gonna take a break in a second because I need to fill my coffee cup up. Right. And but I have a book that I picked up last week, um, and it's kind of funny because it makes wood a spiritual thing, oh. burning wood a spiritual thing. Oh God! It's from it's like the way the Scandinavians think of wood, and I freaking laugh my ass off. But then I started reading it. And I was, I even laughed my ass off more. I mean, Kathy and I have been kind of joking about it lately because I'm, I'm like, my wood pile, if you saw my wood pile, it's a, a random, I, I, I don't cut my wood at a, you know, I don't measure each stick of wood that I make a cut at. I look, I eyeball everything and it, sometimes right. it's close, sometimes I get to the end and there might be six inches extra you know extra on the log or it might be that there's a little stub that i happen to cut off yeah okay because i don't because i cut wood in mass yeah um i have a 20 inch bar i have a um uh ms 440 chainsaw steel chainsaw with a 20 inch bar i'm thinking about getting an ms 661 with a 30 inch chainsaw bar so i can cut more wood in the same amount of time yeah um so basically what I do is I have a pile of wood, I stick my saw at the top of it and I cut down it, you know, and I slice it like I slice a loaf of bread. Yeah. Okay. So, so obviously I don't want to say they're random widths, but I don't have the most uniform logs possible. But guess what, people? The wood stove doesn't care. Yeah. Cause the, it's, the boiler doesn't give a shit. It burns no matter what. So, um, so I'm reading this book, you know, and they're like, they're talking about like, Picking your husband, women, pick your husband based on his woodpile. <laughs> and there's like, there's like descriptions of what people are. If you look at their woodpile, the way they, the way they pile their wood is their personality type. And we're laughing like crazy <laughs> about it. Yeah. But it's a, it's a, it's actually, I think it's a fun book. I don't, I don't think it's a, you know, I mean, it's not a disturbing book at all. Yeah. Um, but it is kind of interesting, and it's and from the perspective of somebody that burns the amount of wood that we burn, um, it's it's I got a kick out of it. I thought it was funny, um, but the you know the I'm not going to go out there and saw wood with a handsaw just because I want to hear Screw music. Screw that! 
just because I want to hear music. Yeah. You know, um, I want to be comfortable, and that's and I want to burn wood, yeah. and that's what and basically that's what I have. I mean, I have a freaking four hundred fifty thousand BTU wood boiler. Hmm. I could heat up the. I'm I'm partially the problem for this warm weather we have in Michigan right now. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> well, you're gonna get your coffee. Yeah. Let's so take a let's take a quick. Let's there. take a break. A breather. And when we on. come back, I have some uh, some things that I've learned about uh, heat treating and testing and stuff. So more in a minute. Okay, be right back. We'll get some, and I'll stick some music in here too. I think we can do that. Well, we'll see. And we're back. No, we're not. You got to hit the record button. No, it's a no. It's recording. Hit, no, it's it's not. recording. I don't trust you. It's recording. Look at. I don't trust you. It's recording. It's not. It is recording. Look at it. It's moving. No, it's not. I'm telling you, it's moving. Okay, it is. All right, so uh, we're leaving that in too. Damn it! Well, we have to. I can't. I can't. Uh, I can't edit it. So. Um, so while we were out, I uh, I got this. I'm gonna Instagram it right now. Only because it's a funny. It's a funny book. And uh, nobody sent it to me. I uh, I thought it was hilarious, and we're and Kathy and I are reading it together and laughing about it. Bark River Knives offers the best combination of ultra modern CNC components and old world craftsmanship. All Bark River Knives are hand convex ground and sharpened to perfect cutting geometry for the task they are designed to perform. Bark River Knives are available through our authorized dealers. Norwegian Wood, Chopping, Stacking, and Drying Wood the Scandinavian Way by Lars Mitting, M-Y-T-T-I-N-G. Anyway, um, I posted a thing letting people know that we were going to record, and I asked some questions. So Dan M. asks, uh, will forest knives be available with flat ground uh, convex edges? Yes. Okay. Um, and and actually, if you want one, we'll do we'll do one for you. Yeah. I, I will I will you know if you happen to see a handle color that's available a handle that's available for you right now, and you want the uh, you want the grind done a little bit different, um, give us a couple extra days, and uh, we'll we'll get it done for you. Like if you wanted if you you mean. Like a flat Scandi with a convex edge, or a complete think, fat ground. I think ground. what he's saying, saying is a flat ground knife with a, with convex, a convex edge. edge yeah. yeah, yeah, we could do that still too. It's gonna be, it's gonna thin it up quite a bit, but we can do it. Um, let's see. Then uh, Ryan Esk says, "Talk about your recent knife making projects. You've been turning out some killer blades, and I want to hear more." Okay, so, uh, and this is actually a pretty good topic for discussion. Um, I've recently been doing some major updates to the tooling in my shop, uh, adding lots and lots and lots of capability. Uh, but one of the things now is that I have uh, the ability to completely and totally control my heat treating process. So I bought a big even heat oven and I bought an RC tester and uh, been playing around with that. Uh, and in the process of 
playing around with O1 tool steel, uh, I have discovered some errors in the internet wisdom of how <laughs> how that heat treat should be done. Um, once you start, once you have the ability to actually test what they're saying, you very quickly determine that they're mostly full of shit. So, so, so are you saying that urine from a virgin is not part of the heat treat? No, not in any way, shape, or form. And then, uh, hmm. you know, there's a lot of, even if you go to the um, steel manufacturer's website, a lot of that information is for uh, treating big, huge pieces of steel. Like if you're going to make some crazy hardened, uh, uh, you know, machined part mm -hmm. and then harden it. And, you know, so they're like specifically for O1 tool steel, uh, they recommend bringing the piece that you're working on up to 1250 degrees at no more than 400 um, degrees per hour, right? So mm -hmm. it's going to take you like three, four hours to get it up to that temperature. And then once it's at that temperature, you rest it there for a while to make sure it's heated all the way through. And then you go up from there up to between 1450 and 1500 degrees. And then you soak it for however long. Uh, and they have formulas for that. And then you, then you do it. Well, there is probably no one who has ever made a knife out of O1 tool steel except for me that has ever, ever, ever done that four-hour preheat. The, you know, most people are getting their oven up to temperature and then just throwing the knife in the hot oven, letting it come up and equilibrate and then resting it there and then doing it. Um, Why would you say that you're the only one? Because I have talked to some other knife makers. Mm -hmm. Um, because I was having, I was like, this is crazy. This is taking way too long. This can't be the way that other people are doing it. And as it turns out, it's not. Um, and then the other thing is, is that, uh, you know, when you start actually, so I've, I've played around, I've taken some, you know, just regular junk steel and done the heat treat different ways. And, uh, it, there's not, I, I have not seen a benefit in that preheat step except for if you if you come up to temperature really slowly and you've got some blade that you're worried is going to warp, like that actually does seem to make a difference, at least on O1 tool steel. Um, and then, you know, you get these guys that say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to heat this up in my forge until it's non-magnetic and then I'm going to soak it there and... It, they have no fucking clue what temperature it is, and they have no clue where the hardness ends up afterwards. Like, I just, I don't well, it's trust correct. that and anymore. It, listen, I mean, it's there's some there's certain realities in in life and in knife making. One of them is, does it really fucking matter? Okay, so. Back in the day when they were making knives for during the war, during World War II, they chose a blade steel that worked perfectly fine with a plus or minus two points mm -hmm. of hardness. Okay? And they used a blade steel that, because they were heat treating things in such huge batches, 
that there's no way that you're going to quench them all at the same speed at the same time when they're all in a freaking basket. Yeah. Piled up about, you know, that thick. Yeah. And they're dropping them in the dropping them in with a dump, on yeah. the, you know, into the bottom of the quenching oil. <clears throat> well, and then the oil gets superheated and like or the oil's hotter than it than it. Yeah, you yeah. know. So, and I'll guarantee you, I will bet you dollars to a dirty donut that if you handed somebody a knife that was fifty eight and a knife that was fifty nine, they, they, you can't you tell can't the tell the difference. Yeah, yeah. There's no way you're going to tell the difference. You're going to say maybe you're going to you're going to. Th- Imagine one is going to, I'd like to do that. Actually, I'd love to do that as a test for somebody. Take a knife that's 58 and a knife that's 59 and and hand it to somebody on a freaking whetstone and you say, you tell me which one's harder. It will matter what steel. Absolutely it matters. And I'll, I'll explain why. I, I understand that, that it matters. Yeah. I'll guarantee you that you will not be able to tell the difference. If, if you will not, I'll fucking, I'll bet no, you a dollar to a dirty donut. You will not take, be able. To, you will not be able to tell the difference. If you take, if you take, I don't give uh, a shit what steel it is. Okay, are you gonna? Are you just gonna filibuster? <laughs> yes. Do you, do you own an RC hardness? I don't care. Have you ever operated one? Yes. Okay. How does it work? Since you know. What do you mean? How does it work? How you do put you the run? fucking blade in it, and you um, you move this dial, and it comes down, and it puts a little dimple on the blade. Wrong. Really. Yes. Okay. So wrong. Uh, the, the you have to you put the blade in on the rest, then you you slowly move it up to the thing. Then the thing contacts it. Then you have to preload a certain amount of, of force in there, right? Okay. Let it equilibrate. Then you apply the actual load over um, between two and eight seconds. You let it equilibrate again for five more seconds, and then you release it. Okay. And then that is your RC hardness okay. reading. Okay. So the there is a huge difference between 01 tool steel at 58 and CPM uh, S135VN at 58. You're full of shit. They're both 58. No. They grind different. Uh, they sharpen that, different. They're the same hardness. They feel. I'll guarantee you. I'll bet you a dollar. I'll bet you a dollar right now. I'll bet you a dollar right now to a dirty donut that if you took an 01 tool steel blade and I handed it to you with a fucking whetstone, one of them's 58 and one of them's 59, you will not be able to tell the difference. If it's the same steel, I wouldn't be able to. Right. Absolutely. No way. Right. No way I would be able to tell the difference. Right. If if you hand me an 01 tool steel at 58 and a, a CPM... S thirty five VN at fifty eight. I if they look exactly the same, if there's no difference in the way they look, you won't be able to tell no, the difference. Absolutely, with a whetstone, you, you will not be able to tell the difference. Maybe not a whetstone, but on yeah. my grinder, on <laughs> my grinder, dude. I so I here's here's some shop updates. I I just made my first knife out of that crucible steel. Mm-hmm. It is insane. What before you harden it, it it grinds exactly the same. Uh, after you harden it, you don't. It's a world's difference yep. between hardened and I. I harden the so I and I know this is true because I just had an O1 tool steel blade at sixty, and a CPMS one thirty five VN at sixty. Okay, it's night and day difference. Well, yeah, it grinds so different. Yeah. The edge feels different. Even if you use the exact same belt, 
and the exact same buffing and well, you exact can't use same the exact everything. same belt because you got to use like five belts. Right, but like it grinds so different. Like right. you know, on if you hand me a blade um, that is a different steel, same hardness, and I'm able to play with it in my shop without testing it. There's an it's night and day, and but you won't be able to tell the difference on a whetstone. Probably not because no. I don't use a whetstone. Well, I don't experience. think any I don't think anybody can tell the difference on a whetstone. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in, in all in all honesty, I mean that that's there are some things that are that are that are completely. Um, I mean, I had a knife that I skinned a boatload of deer out with, and I Rockwell tested it, and it was thirty eight points. Yeah. Okay. Sharpened real easy. Didn't hold yeah. the edge with a shit. Yeah. But it it still cut. Yeah, yeah. As you long know? as it's hardened, it's going to cut fine. Well, it wasn't hardened. That's the whole point. Well, unhardened steel, though, is usually like 10 to 13. At least the stuff that... Well, I've... it wasn't hardened very well then. It was yeah. 38. Well, it's probably a World War II era hardened. It was, yeah, from the 30s. Yeah, so that's why. they They didn't... They didn't do it with near as much, like you're talking about. They did it in big batches. There's mm -hmm. no way you can have the consistency. But that's a. But the, that was even one that's even softer than normal. I mean, yeah, a, usually a typical K bar was 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 harder than that. Like in the from 40s, the right? Or even higher up than that, 40s like to, 50s, uh, 53, 54. I'd be, I'd be real surprised to take take one of those old knives and put it on a RC tester. I don't think it's going to be anywhere near that. I think 60 is like insanely hard. 60 is, is something new. Yeah. 60 is only in the last couple years. The O1 Tool Steel does that. No what? problem. I well, no, I understand that. There. But I'm saying that that's something that's just recently new. That's mm -hmm. something that's not something that's well, been... And it's, and it's not big batch stuff either that you're doing no, that with. No, custom knife makers started doing that. And then a lot of it has to do with kitchen knives. People were making kitchen knives at Rockwell 60. Mm -hmm. um, I think, personally, I think 60 is too hard for a, a tool steel hunting knife. Probably. If, you if, know, if, I mean, if, if you're giving it to someone and they're going to expect to resharpen it well even that it becomes brittle i mean you got you got other you know, other things that come into play the, you drop that on a cement you're going to chip it well the thing well and, and actually i have some experience at that um the the o1 tool steel doing it the way i do it comes out of the front as soon as, as soon as you take it out of the oil and cool it down and then grind back the surface a little bit uh that is anywhere between 63 and 65 um, it, it depends and then there's a there's a plus on my particular machine there's a plus or minus one uh, error so that's why that's why if you're gonna say um, this is at 60 you need to also say it could be 59 it could be 61 but after um, after tempering they're usually right around 59 60 almost every single time. okay so because they come out, they come out between sixty three and sixty five. I'm gonna call you on a carpet for here for a second. How do you, how, you how do you use a Rockwell tester on the edge of your knife? You, you don't. Can. You use it on the you use it on the tang. Right. So if you're grinding off the if you're grinding down your edge, how do you know what you're grinding it down to? What do you mean? Okay. You so you were just saying you 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 lowered your Rockwell. On your edge, if you when you ground it off, 
He started out at 63, and then it ended up. No, 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 no. That's that. Or maybe no, I misunderstood. Yeah, what no, you, said. you misunderstood. So as soon as as soon as it's out, then it's brittle. It's 63 to 65, and then when you drop it on the steel, it'll actually sometimes shatter. shatter. Or if you try to bend out a, don't ask me how I know this. If you try to bend the knife to see if you're going to be able to get the any wow, warping yeah. out of it. <laughs> Uh, it'll it'll break yeah. right in right in your hand. Well, if you if you pressure. if you at sixty, if you drop a tool steel knife, an O one as at sixty, if it has been tempered, no. Um, if it has been tempered and it's been tempered to sixty, you're fine. And and I know that because I've accidentally dropped a whole shitload of them on that cement floor in the in the garage there. So if you see, if I'm you, not buying that. I, well, come, I think come, you can chip out an edge on 60 at on 01. Come come to my shop. We'll play <laughs> around. We'll, we, what we'll do is we'll do, I'll run through a, a typical heat treat and we'll do. Uh, I mean, we see knives chip out all the time at six, at 59, 58. We don't. I mean, I don't. Yeah, Bark Rivers doesn't. No. Because they're done right. But I'm saying that, that you will see production knives chip out at 60. Probably because they're not they again. This is a batch heat treat thing, and and then the other thing is is like, um, it really is going to vary a lot because I've I've now now that I have my tester, what do I do? I test even from the same company, same model of knife. They're different. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to be different from one knife to the next. Mm -hmm. Um, but. Uh, Anyway, so getting back to but this, you uh, know the other thing too is when you the only way you the only thing you can test on one of those knives is where if you have two ninety degree angles, correct? What do you mean? I mean two flat surfaces. Yeah, they so have to you, be parallel. You have to do it on the tang. You have to do it on, on the, the parallel surface. Area. So if you have something that's tang soft, you wouldn't know, or you would know, but you don't know what the edge is. Well, you you, you know if you have if you have something that's shank yeah, well, drawn, what, the ricasso well, is you, softer what, than what the you have to, What you have to do is you have to. Um, you you have to test. Um, they recommend at least five different spots, mm -hmm. and then you take the average. Right. So that's but what I'm I saying is that from different spots. Right. If you have check. if you have something that's that's um, uh, like like not there's no flats on the blade part, you can't test the when edge. Nobody tests the blade. It, you assume uniform hardness throughout the piece. You have to because you can't you can't test it on an angle. Right. Yeah. You have to you have to test. So you assume un uniform hardness throughout the piece, unless you've done some crazy differential temper. Mm -hmm. And and then you test five different spots at least, and then you take the average, and that's your hardness. Mm -hmm. But it's it's no problem to get O1 tool steel to sixty, and um, I've beat the hell out of that steel against stumps, against everything at sixty. I've dropped it. It there's no problem. Like the edge doesn't chip, doesn't roll, nothing. So I, it, you know, it's just a, it's just a different, different thing, you know. And then, I don't know. Like it doesn't. What doesn't make sense to me is why is it that that CPMS one uh, thirty, you know what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. thirty five VN. Why is that stuff at the same hardness? Why does it? Performs so differently from a one tool steel. Well, because the, the carbides are different sized. It's crazy. Like it's, when you're grinding well, the, it. The, the the makeup of the blade. For one thing, all not all the powder steels, but the majority of the powdered steels, the carbides are more uniform. Mm -hmm. 
where O1 is not. And that's the, that's the thing that, that I think people, it's structurally, the steel is different. The, the, the carbide particles, like on the powder steel, are all uniform. Yeah. Or they should be all uniform. That's what that's the whole point of it is that you're supposed to get a very uniform mixture of mm-hmm. stuff that makes up the steel. O one is not like that because it's yeah beat and twisted yeah. and rolled and 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 when you um and the and the formulation is different, so it forms different kinds of carbides in the process. Yeah. And so that's why the that's why the carbides clump together in tool steel, bigger. That's why yeah, it's more you can brittle. See them. It looks like hairs, Be, and that's that's because it's well, and that's how you they call it a toothy edge on a lot of that stuff, a lot of those steels. Mm-hmm. But I think the that's why I think that the when it's harder, the carbides chip out easier. Uh oh, someone's coming. Oh, my boss is home. My uh, lovely wife is home. Better pause it for a minute. Okay, and we're back. So so anyway, we were we were talking about yeah size of carbides and right. and that kinds of stuff. And you know you know who's really really knowledgeable in this stuff is Mike. Yeah, and he can explain how the interaction between the different formulations of these steels, how it relates to the carbides, it's and how hours. how the carbides uh, how they're formed, how they clump together. And how they're how they interact with the right. other the other parts of the recipe, right? And that is very dependent. The how it reacts at the different hardnesses is how you know that's how some blades chip out fast, you know, easier if they're if they have big carbides, mm-hmm. they chip out easier than if they're if they don't. And that's why the CPM steels are supposed to be so much better because the carbides are all very, very uniform. Yeah. And so as you as you cross section it, that's there. It's going to be the same all the way through. Hmm. So anyway, but I mean that's my basic knowledge of it. I mean it, you need a electron microscope, I think, really yeah. to be able to differentiate. But then, but then even when you're grinding it, say you're not grinding the edge, say you're grinding the the flat, uh, it'll facet. Mm-hmm. It forms facets, whereas like you know, tool steel just kind of blurs. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really. Well, I think that's why you can make why it's easier to make that quote unquote dime store finish on a tool steel blade than it is to do yeah. a, on a S thirty five vn. You know, you don't see too many of those high polished. I mean, I remember um, a friend of mine, Justin from Ranger Knives, said he could make a. Um, there was a big controversy. I don't remember what, if it was 3V or if it was S35VN or S30V that nobody high polishes it because it's too difficult to do. It's, it's, and he did one, I think, by hand. Oh. And he said he would never do it again. Well, I didn't do mine by hand. I just did it using the Bark River method, and it turned out the same as I'm talking posters. mirror polish. The same, the same that I do on all of them. I'm talking mirror polish. Yeah, I don't you, do you, mirror. Yeah, and that's and that's why you don't see that those done in mirror polish because it's too difficult to do. Yeah, but you can do that with fifty-two one hundred or any of those other ones. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah, that's not. I'm talking. You can see yourself. Yeah, in the no, blade. I don't do that. No, very um, few people do. 
Um, let's see what else. Uh, so I got another question, and then we should probably wrap it up because okay. we got stuff to do here. Yep, yep. Um, the question was, uh, how many angels fit on a head of head of a pin? Right, that sort of thing. Um, let me see here. Here it is. We're not going to do any political ranting today. No, That's kind of depressing. Uh, and then we we won't have any music. So you guys are going to have to wait for your Christmas music show until after Christmas, sadly. Um, so this uh, uh, Jordan W. says, What's your favorite guilty pleasure knife? A knife that you shouldn't like but really enjoy anyways. Hmm. My Randall Model 18. <laughs> yeah. I'd have to say a hollow handle or a Martin or, or or a Martin the Martin hollow handle. Yeah, I think that's a. I think those are guilty pleasure knives. I mean, I think I I like them and I shouldn't like them. Yeah, I love them. You know, I mean, they're they're. I don't know. I. I'm trying to think of what, what another one might be. Uh, some of the switch blades I have, I think. Some of the oh, excuse me, the automatics that I have. Yeah. That might be uh, that might be one of the guilty pleasures. Um, okay, so I I have a secret plan to make a guilty pleasure knife. Yeah? Like, when I was a kid, you know, they had those 80s movies with these crazy huge knives, like on Predator or Rambo or yep. any, like Commando. Any movie that came out was going to have this huge right. knife. Right, Especially and, if Sylvester was in it. Right, and I never had the money. So I am going to make a movie knife, and I'm going to have... Uh, I've designed it, figured everything out. It's going to be CPM uh, S35VN. Uh, it's going to be crazy, and I'm going to have, uh, I'm making two of them, one for me and one to sell. And I'm going to have Dwayne Keith Puckett do the sheaths for them. So this one will be the rare knife that comes with a sheath. And I'm having Newton Martin do saw sheaths So, so on you it. should make one for me, too. I can't. You can. Why not? That's, that's... You got nothing better to do. Do you have any idea what that will sell for? So? That would buy my mill. That one knife would buy my mill. Well, I think you should do that anyways. <laughs> you have a knife over there that's uh, that took days and days to make. Yes, and I like it. And um, it's in a place of honor. It's in a case of honor. Well, at any rate, this knife isn't going to fit in that case, sadly. <laughs> It's going to have a nine-inch blade. It's going to be insane. I'm going to have a handmade guard on it. It's, it's going to look so evil and stinky. Our new, our new one is coming out next week, too. Which and one is next, that? Next week. Um, the Denali. Oh, cool. Yeah, I think that's the one that we know all about. Right? The one that... Where the hell is it? Is that the one that you made at the grind in, basically? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that'll be fun. The giant one is coming out next, and then the, um, we're doing this one, the Shenandoah. Okay. Which is the second to the smallest one. And then we're going to break, and we're going to make the canoe knife. Okay. We're going to make a different family and just throw in a different family in there because I've had a lot of people chimping about the, wanting me to make that canoe knife. Cool. <clears throat> yeah, that'll be fun. But this is the, the big one, and that's a, that's a big blade. Yeah, it's huge. 
eight and eight and a third, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh, I've been making skagels lately. Mm-hmm. Those are fun. Mm-hmm. They're beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. They're a, beautiful. And then the thing is, is like every horn is going to be a little different. Every yep. antler. Yep. So you yep. have to you have to change the style of knife. One of the based things on that you need to antler. look at too when you're doing that, and I forgot to tell you this, when you're when you have your horn. Uh-huh. You're going to have right and left-handed horns, right? And so I've been making them all right-handed <laughs> because, yeah, because if we make them the way we like them, they'll all be left-handed, and everybody's going to go, ah, yeah. Or if you have the, so the deal is, I'm going to go grab a horn, people. Um, yeah, because they truly are right and left-handed, and yeah, but um, they have curves in different ways, right? But if you have one that's that, if you get one off of a big enough animal, you can have it instead of being oriented this way. For a right-handed person, right. or this way for a left-handed right. person, right? You can orient it this way if if it's big enough base. Right. But the problem is here, um, if you orient it with the what's this part of the thing called? Uh, the, I, I always call them the butt, but I don't. Well, know. it's basically what we're talking about is the base of the antler. Yeah, where there's it attaches one, to the skull. Yeah, there's one part that's lower and one part that's higher, and you angle the part that's lower for a right-handed person towards the left face of the knife and for a left-handed person towards the right face of the knife well if you have a big enough and the reason you do that is the the antler is oval shaped mm-hmm. um, if if you have a big enough antler it doesn't matter you can you can point it down um, because that oval shape it, it doesn't matter you're going to grind away enough that it won't make any difference but I, I don't have any antlers big enough to do that with yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and and you know what? That's the that's why India stag is so popular because those antlers are big. Yeah, you know they're a lot bigger than whitetails. I wonder how you even get that. Can't. Yeah, you can't. You gotta know somebody. They're banned. I don't know if that band is still. On. I think the band is still on still. But yeah, somehow or another, too big. Probably mule deer would be the next thing. Well, the problem with, I mean, in all fairness, the problem with this stuff is it's not stable and it does come apart. It this can. Is, these are actually hairs. And yeah. if left in the sunlight too long, they will come apart. Yeah. So what I... Um, and I don't know if there's any way to stabilize that. You could suck uh, epoxy into it. Probably could. Yeah. Probably that's what needs to be done. But no, nobody's ever done it. And no. those skagels are still around from the early 1900s. So mm-hmm. I'm just not going to worry about it. But um, what I do... Um, is, uh, you know, this one I'd cut here mm-hmm. and every single knife you're going to make is going to be a little bit different because every little antler is going to be a little different. Right. It, it suggests a different blade shape. Right. But, uh, the, um, what I do is I drill down the center, um, in the diameter of the tang and then I pin through it. So it's pinned through the antler and the and it's epoxy too. And it's epoxied, so it's not going to come off. But right. I mean, I suppose theoretically, it, over, I don't know, a couple hundred years, it might. Huh, it depends. If somebody leaves it on the dashboard of their truck, could be a, <laughs> could be a, could be a whole well, summer. These these knives are so pretty. That's never going to happen. Like the guys that have gotten them so far of like. I mean, that, seriously, cried. that's that's why the industry doesn't use them. Yeah. Whitetail because of that. <clears throat> huh. I mean the. Custom knife makers do it. Yeah. But you know the other thing you can make, and I've seen Bark this River done. Bark River did one, though. Bark River did one. They used India stag. Oof. Yeah, they used stag. But that's India hair, stag. isn't it? It's the same Stip thing. Stiff bone. 
Hmm? It's bone. Is it? Mm-hmm. Okay. They're, they're way more dense. Okay. They're, they're way more dense. One of the things I did see somebody do, though, recently, and I thought it was really cool, and you could do this really well, is you take, they take one of these, uh -huh. and they make a um, slip joint out of it. Oh, yeah. They slice it, and yeah, then, you can and then pin a, you know. Pin a little blade in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can do that, I guess. I could do that up up with the, uh, mm -hmm. more towards the antler mm -hmm. area, but that would be actually kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Make a little blade and then pin it in there. Mm -hmm. Like an open L. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be all right. And they, they do it, they pin it in there, and then they put a, sometimes they put a little cl clasp thing that sticks over the back so you hold the knife open with your hand while you're using it. Yeah. <clears throat> that'd work. Well, anyway, we yep. probably better hit yep. the... Yep, 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 because I think it's Mexican in our future. The Mexican yeah. food. Not right now, though. It's only two. I'm freaking starving. You need a snack. Anyway, uh, what should we tell people? Um, check us out on Facebook. Yeah. Friend us. Um, like us on uh, our, our podcast. Oh, you know the other thing, too? I forgot to say this. Bark River just moved its production schedule over to Knife Journal and the forums. We're going to update okay. the forum software to Gelsoft here in sh very, very short order. Mm -hmm. Um and I am working on the Night Journal um, website to be a news site. Okay. Um, so it'll be a WordPress site. Okay. And um, so check that out. And um, what else do we want to say? Keep Not your really knives sharp and your friends sharper? Yep. Okay. Talk well, to you soon. Yeah, and hopefully you'll get your... Uh, Christmas one sometime after Christmas. Oh no, maybe maybe before. My computer isn't ready. Oh, okay. Okay. Bye. Bye.